Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. It's been over a week now since Paris Hilton's dog, Diamond Baby, has been missing. She has created an email address for people to reach out, finddiamondbaby at gmail.com, and she has been devastated. She was part of a photo shoot. They were moving houses and moving uh, different furniture around, and apparently somebody left the door open and Diamond Baby got out. That's the belief. Now, they have not found Diamond Baby. It's been over a week. I know Paris was devastated. Uh, She was so devastated that she ended up walking the runway in Milan for Visashi in her pink mini dress. But I digress. I'm sure she was just doing something to get her mind off of losing Diamond Baby. Now, Diamond Baby means so much to Paris Hilton. I mean, she has been devastated. She said, part of me is gone without her next to me. And Paris Hilton is worth what? Three, at least 300 million. Three, between three and 500 million right now. And so she has offered a reward for the return of Diamond Baby. Okay. She is willing to, she is willing to pay $10,000 for the return or uh, information leading to the return of Diamond Baby. Huh? That's how much she cares about Diamond Baby. <laughs> A whole $10,000. Now, look, 10 grand is, a, you know, a nice chunk of money. No question. And if you were walking along the road and, you know, there's Diamond Baby, you pick it up, you take it back to Paris and Paris, you know, gives you 10 grand. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. You know, if she believes you're the one that didn't take the dog. Anyway, so you get the 10 grand. Thank you. I appreciate it. Just seems like a small amount uh, for someone who's worth three, four, five hundred million. I'll give you $10,000. I mean, she has hired a pet detective, a dog whisperer, a pet psychic. She's looked into find dog finding drones. So I feel like 10 grand is not a lot of money. You know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me, but someone who has hired a pet detective, a dog whisperer, and a pet psychic. <laughs> and she's hiring dog finding drones. Seems that ten grand is a little little sad. But hey, good luck, Paris, and I hope that uh I hope that Diamond Baby returns unharmed. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. <laughs> So there's been no word whether, you know, there's been a ransom demand for Paris's dog, uh, Diamond Baby. But we do know that an animal sanctuary in the Democratic Republic of Congo, the DRC, is facing demands for ransom money after kidnappers abducted three of its baby chimpanzees. This is the first time in the world that baby apes were kidnapped for ransom according to the founder of the sanctuary where the kidnapping took place. His sanctuary called Young Animals Confiscated in Katanga. Man, that just rolls right off the tongue. (laughs) It's close to the border between the DRC and Zambia, which is on a key route from Congo to South Africa, through which apes are smuggled to the rest of the world. Apparently, kidnappers broke into the sanctuary 
and took away three of the five baby chimpanzees that he had been rescued so far this year. Uh, two of them were hiding, so they only, you know, they only found the three. An hour after the break-in, uh, the founder's wife received three messages and a video of the abducted chimps from the kidnappers. They said they had planned to kidnap the children, but because they were supposed to come here on vacation, but they didn't come. So since the kids weren't there, you know what? We're taking the chimpanzees and uh, we want money. Apparently they drugged the chimps and threatened to hurt them if ransom wasn't paid. And they don't want to pay the ransom because uh, not only do they not have the money, but they don't want to uh, negotiate with terrorists. You just don't do it. There are 23 sanctuaries across the continent of Africa. So if we pay the ransom, it could set a precedent and could give ideas to others. So we must be extremely vigilant. Yeah, no kidding. So good luck to the baby chimps and you know we'll find out what happens in, to them. Uh, in the DRC, they might just completely just be gone, poof, just be gone. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this is the same group that uh, came to the U.S. and took Paris's <laughs> diamond baby chihuahua. I don't know. But uh, I, I don't, Paris hasn't said that she received a video, so I'm guessing it's not. A lot happening in our world of space and weather today. Uh, we know that Jupiter will be closest to Earth, or as close as it's been to Earth since 1963. Uh, it's going to be right... I mean, you'll be able to reach out and touch it at 367 million miles away from Earth. <laughs> Usually, it's like 600 million miles away, but tonight you'll be able to reach out and touch it at only 367 million miles away. So, you have to go outside... Anytime, uh, you know, from sunset to sunrise, it's going to be appear somewhere in the night sky. It's going to be, it actually, uh, opposite the sun from the perspective of perspective of earth. So, uh, the planet will rise in the east as the sun sets in the west, in the west. And so it's going to be right between Jupiter and the sun. So the earth is going to be right between them and that'd be awesome. Uh, so if you can just reach out and touched Jupiter at 367 million miles away. We also have uh, the DART coverage tonight as we smash into an asteroid, the asteroid Dimorphos, uh, DART's kinetic impact. Uh, they're going to be live coverage. Uh, NASA is uh, giving you live coverage on its uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages. So it's going to start like 6 o'clock Eastern and 7.14 p.m., uh, it's supposed to have the impact, and so we'll see if it actually works. We're going to smash into the asteroid and see if we can move it off course or what happens after we hit it. Uh, man, I don't know. I mean, apparently they have not seen the documentaries on what happens uh, when you uh, when you when you strike asteroids, but we will find out tonight as well. And I see where NASA has called off the Artemis 1 moon rocket launch. It was supposed to happen tomorrow. Now, they claim that they're going to pull it off. They don't want to, you know, thread the needle because of Tropical Storm. Well, Hurricane now, Storm Ian. Uh, so, I, they're talking about they may roll it back in. I would guess they better. They've had it sitting out there uh, all this time. And now you're looking at Ian... Uh, making its way up the coast of Florida. Those of you in Florida, uh, be ready. I see where, uh, you know, if you look at the cone of death 
the cone of death comes right up, uh, you know, it looks like it's going to make landfall near Cedar Key, which is, you know, just above Tampa Bay. So that means that whole lower west coast, well, the entire state of Florida, but for sure the west coast of Florida is going to get hammered from Hurricane Ian. Now, is it going to swerve, go back left a little bit and, uh, you know, make landfall in the panhandle of Florida or, or Alabama? Uh, is it possible? Sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, the forecasters are pretty good. I know. I know. The uh, National Hurricane Center, uh, those people are pretty good at predicting. And I know they always uh, give you, you know, the wobble inside the cone of death. But the cone of death is pretty strong. <laughs> it's usually pretty strong. So if you're in Florida, uh, heads up. And I'm sure you already are. Uh, you know, I'm sure you're already getting prepared. And I'm sure all the television and radio stations are doing their Operation Stormwatch. And good, because you need to be prepared. And I would not, I'm glad I'm not there. Although I love Florida and, you know, I would, I've covered many hurricanes, many storm watches. Uh, it's a busy time and it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good time to be in broadcasting. See, that's a weird thing to say because it's a storm and it's coming down, but it's really busy. And that's what broadcasting is all about. I mean, you're bringing news and interviewing uh, the experts and it's, uh, you know, it's, while it's scary because of the storms, it's fun uh, to be in broadcasting. It's a weird kind of thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Just just be safe, okay? Just, <laughs> just be safe. That's all. Uh, that's all I ask. And so Hurricane Ian is barreling down, uh, cutting across Cuba. It will be cutting across Cuba. Maybe Cuba will you know, shake it up and slow it down a little bit. But once it gets past Cuba... Uh, the Gulf of Mexico, the warm water will help it strengthen and, uh, you know, do some damage along the, the west coast of Florida. All right, so uh, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink anyway. Desperately. <sighs> so during the Depp Heard trial, the first season of Depp Heard, uh, remember, everybody thought that uh, Johnny was uh, taking care of a little business uh, with the attorney, uh, Camille Vasquez, who said that uh, she unequivocally refuted those rumors and said, no, uh, you know, Johnny and I are not uh, taking care of business. Well, it comes to find out there's another attorney that's part of that team that uh, is taking care of a little business with uh, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that that attorney, Joel Rich, is the attorney that's taking care of a little business uh, with Johnny. So, uh, okay, all right. Uh, I guess she was one of the defense attorneys who represented him, him in 2018 in the libel lawsuit against uh, the son. And so, okay, uh, no problem. I know that case uh, didn't turn out really well for John. Uh, but, uh, it's still though, I mean, it turned out pretty well if he's taking care of a little business with one of the attorneys, know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> uh, awesome. Oh, and congratulations to Rihanna, 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 Rihanna. Um, all right, I'll stop. Uh, she is, uh, now going to be, it's been announced that she is the headline performer for this year's Super Bowl LVII. 
So good for her. I mean, she hasn't uh, she hasn't done a lot lately. She's still Rihanna, no question, but she hasn't released an album since 2016. Uh, she hasn't performed in public since 2018, and now she's going to take the stage in front of uh, in front of the world at the Super Bowl. Okay, I mean, I get it. She's still Rihanna, but uh, let's hope that uh, let's hope that it works out well for Rihanna and Super Bowl LVII. But congratulations. Okay, if you were watching uh, House of the Dragon on HBO, uh, last night, well, the latest episode, I think it was episode six, uh, gave it was shocking. The, we got, got another time jump, uh, which was ahead 10 years. And I know that there were, you know, there's going to be more time jumps. I get it because of the time frame of the story. You know, I mean, it's hundreds of years. So we've got to, we've got to jump through some of these characters and you've got to lay the groundwork for some of these characters because that's what affects them in the future. So I, I get it, but I feel like, uh, I wish, uh, house of the dragon, uh, HBO would have called me and uh, said, Hey Jeff, you know, we're got to do these time jumps because we've got to create these characters. We've got to create the, we've got to create the knowledge that these characters have and what uh, you know, makes them act the way they do. And then we've got to jump ahead 10 to 20 or 30 or maybe more years so that we see how that affected the outcome later. And, uh, then, so we're going to need a way to do that. And I'd like to, you know, figure out a way to do that without just shocking the crowd and just all of a sudden one episode. Okay. We're it's new characters and it's a time jump and we'll find out in some communication during the show that it's been 10 years and, uh, you know, this, that just live with it. Oh, uh, okay. Thank you. Now the episode was pretty good. I've been enjoying the shows. I've been enjoying uh, house of the dragon. Uh, I don't know that I'm enjoying it. I don't know that I think it's as good as game of Thrones, but you know, it's, I mean, I'm enjoying it. But I just feel like there was a better way to do the time jumps. Uh, there's a better way to do the time jumps. And you should, you know, by, by perhaps, I'm not going to tell you my ideas, but I'm just telling you that my ideas of how to get people through the time jump would have been less shocking. And they could have added some great perspective and great characters that would have given you uh, many performances of people. So you had an, you have an episode of, or maybe even half an episode of, uh, time jumps, uh, small time jumps that gets you to the day that you want to be at. And so, you know, anyway, they should uh, HBO call me, email me chewing the fat the blaze.com. Uh, you know what? It, direct message me on Twitter at Jeffy JFR. There's Facebook and Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio. There's the YouTube, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. You can cameo me. You know what, HBO Max? <laughs> Order a cameo from me. And then we'll, you know, since we'll have the connection, we can work it out with each other. Okay? At Jeffy JFR. No problem. <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm here to help. Uh, you know, if you, if you want it. Now, I guess I should say congratulations to the Baldwin family. Uh, Hilaria just gave birth to her seventh baby with Alec Baldwin. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's the rules. I say his name, a gunshot has to go off. If I just say Alec, I mean, you get that. That's just the rules. We haven't changed the rules uh, when we talk about them. So they had their seventh baby together. I mean, they're just pumping them out. I, 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 she had this one, I guess, right? She gave birth to this one. I, I thought the last one they had a surrogate. So 
okay well congratulations that's great so now he's got uh you, you know who i'm talking about he's got eight kids right so he's got these uh these seven and then he has uh one the uh, kid with uh what's her face kim bassinger yeah now they have uh ireland right that's the other kid so uh, he's got uh seven with this one and one with kim and uh, so congratulations to Alec Baldwin as they welcome their new daughter. So they have uh, Carmen, uh, Raphael, Leonardo, Romeo, Eduardo, uh, and uh, Lucia, which is 18 months. That's the new, I think that, I think that's the one that came through the surrogate. And then of course, Ireland. So just one big happy family. I mean, uh, there are some people out there that aren't uh, part of one big happy family. He's like Robin Wright. Uh, she just filed for divorce again. I know it's sad. Nobody likes, div- nobody likes divorce. I don't recommend it. But apparently they uh, officially separated July 31st, and they have filed for divorce now. Irreconcilable differences are being blamed for the split. Robin, uh, 56, and hubby, 37 met in 2017 tied the knot in france in 2018 and they don't have any children together now wright has been married a couple times before to a dane witherspoon for a couple of years and uh, sean penn she was married to sean penn for i don't know 14 years or so a long time they got a couple kids um you know a, a daughter and a son together so uh anyway they're not one big happy family in the robin wright family and i see where yellowstone uh, star uh ryan bingham uh and you you know if you see his picture you know who he is uh he's an actor musician part of yellowstone he has now legally filed to change his name uh because he wants to take anything to do with his ex-wife away <laughs> that's not one big happy family there tell you that <laughs> so he wants to uh, drop the name uh axter right so um, let's see, change his name from Ryan Axter Bingham back to his birth name, George Ryan Bingham. Okay. So Axter was the maiden name of his wife that he took back in 2009 when they got married, Anna Axter, and he legally changed his name from George Ryan Bingham to Ryan Axter Bingham. And so now they're going through a divorce and he's like, I want nothing to do with you. You're, I'm taking your name away. All right. I want my name off my name. Gone. Goodbye. <laughs> That's not cheap uh, to change your name. I mean, people change their name all the time. I get it. But I mean, you're talking about uh, updating a driver's license and credit cards and passports and uh, you know, all your legal documents uh, are, have to be changed. So it's not an easy thing to do. Plus, uh, you know, you got to get a judge to say, okay, no problem. You can change your name, which, you know, of course, most, I mean, who says no to that? You know, you're not doing anything uh, illegal. You just want to get rid of that god-awful ex-wife's name <laughs> off your name. And I just want that. I want that gone. And I want all of the contracts that I had signed before. I want those. I'm going to re-sign those bad boys because I don't want anything to do with you. Got it?
So who died today? Who died today? Louise Fletcher, Oscar winner, Nurse Ratched, I know, dies at 88 years of age. She was surrounded by her family at her home in Montreux, France. And uh, she died in her sleep, but no cause of death was given. I mean, she worked a lot. She was awesome. She won an Oscar for Nurse Ratched. Of course, she was born here in the U.S. Uh, remember her, I mean, when she won the Oscar in 76, she, you know, she a great, a great, gave a great speech. She said, I've loved being hated by you. And uh, then she tearfully addressed her deaf parents in Birmingham, Alabama by using sign language. And then the crowd, you know, erupted in applause. So she said that uh, while they were filming Cuckoo's Nest, she didn't realize that other actresses had turned the job down until they were about halfway through filming. And she was this terrible person. And she realized, <laughs> uh, these people are going to hate me. And that was the whole point of the character. And then she was a big time on uh, Star Trek Universe. Uh, she was part of that show for a long time. Uh, you know, and she played a psychiatrist and an exorcist too. And she's been, I mean, she was an actress for many years. She did a lot of stuff. And she was part of the Star Trek community as well. So Louise Fletcher, dead at 88 years of age. Rest in peace. I see a big time Hollywood creator, writer, Dale McRaven uh, has passed away. 83 years of age. Uh, looks like he died of lung cancer, though. Got to keep firing up those, keep firing up those smokes, baby. Uh, oh, it could have happened without him smoking. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yes, you're right. It could have. Uh, he died in his uh, Porter Ranch home in Los Angeles, surrounded by family. He was a lot of, I mean, Mark and Mindy and Dick Van Dyke show, Partridge Family. He was a uh, Perfect Strangers, uh, big time. He was a big time writer and uh, co-producer and directors of all these shows. And so, I mean, he was a big time guy. He, he, for a while, I guess he was part of, uh, who's the Dingleberry Gary Marshall that, uh, was a big time TV guy. And they were worked on a lot of stuff together until, uh, they had a little falling out and McRaven said, screw you. I'm going out on my own. Take care. And he did take, <laughs> have a nice day. And then he did perfect strangers. That was his show. And then stepped away from that and said, you know what? You can, I'm not doing the daily production stuff. I'll send you script notes from time to time. Okay. But, uh, I mean, you know, it's still, it's still my show, but the daily production schedule, I'm not doing that anymore. And then he ended up, uh, just, you know, doing photography and digital art. Okay. He'd had enough. <laughs> so rest in peace. Uh, Dale McRaven, creator of Mork and Mindy and Perfect Strangers, dead at 83 years of age. Also, uh, remember the spirit bear up in the, uh, upper peninsula of Michigan, uh, the white black bear that was so rare and it's the spirit bear and we got it on a trail cam and, uh, you know, we were, we were all excited that it was out there and we said, you know, it was just, it was a young bear. So good luck. God bless. Yeah. Well, it didn't make it. I know dead killed by wolves. Uh, shortly after the photo appeared of the bear on the uh, Facebook uh, group, uh, Youper Outdoors, number 906. <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of Youper Outdoors. That's what you call someone from Upper Michigan, by the way, a Youper. So the group, uh, a Michigan-based guide service and outfitter, I got it, uh, informed that uh, the white-colored black bear found dead. 
Uh, yes, uh, the wolves are starting. The wolves are taking care of serious wolf business in the Upper Peninsula, and uh, they, people are devastated. Uh, apparently, the wolf population has has really done some damage to the big game populations in the UP. But then, in the same story, they're saying that they've got like 10,000 bears in Michigan. So, that seems like a pretty good number to me. I mean, I'm not a bear expert. I'm not a Michigan bear expert. But it says that Michigan has over 10,000 bears. So, the wolves have got some serious eating to do. <laughs> to uh, That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I know it was a big deal that we had the white bear and, you know, it was strange that it took, that it showed up in the upper peninsula of Michigan because they don't normally show up there, but it said, you know, 10,000, over 10,000 bears live in Michigan. So I'm guessing that the wolves haven't eaten all of them yet, but they did eat the spirit bear in the upper peninsula. So spirit bear dead at the age of two-ish. Rest in peace. So, a UK man uh, was uh, taken uh, hostage by Russians, uh, part of the Ukraine-Russian war, and he said he survived the ordeal by eating stale bread and drinking dirty water. He was shocked, stabbed, subjected to mock executions, after being sentenced to death in June with a fellow countryman. All of that was not enough to detour him, but he said that it, he was forced to listen to Abba's Mamma Mia on repeat while being tortured. That's when he thought he was going to die. It was hell on earth. <laughs> One of five Brits uh, freed last week. The past six months have been the worst days of my life. I never want to listen to Abba again or see a loaf of bread. I'm just so lucky to be home. I hated them anyway, so it was really torture. <laughs> according to according to my man, uh, the British soldier captured by Russian-backed forces in Ukraine, uh, Sean Pinner, uh, I hated them anyway, so it was torture. Yeah, in addition to Abba, he said the ruthless Russians forced him to listen to Cher's Believe at another location. <laughs> so, hey, being stabbed, uh, being forced to drink dirty water and bread, being tortured with electrocution, subject to mock execution, that's not, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't so bad. But having to listen to Abba and Cher on repeat was enough to make me want to die. <laughs> and it was Abba's Mamma Mia, to be specific, and Cher's Believe at another location. I mean, there's not many songs that after an extended period of time will drive you completely mad, right? If you just continue to hear the same song over and over again. We talk about it getting, you know, songs getting stuck in your head and how how it, uh, you know, we joke around about it drive me crazy. I can't get this song out of my head. But if you were forced into listening to a particular song over and over and over and over again, it would drive you insane. Remember, uh, 
remember the Sopranos? That's how he. That's how he got his money back when he set the boat uh, out in front of the house, and he played. Uh, <laughs> he played the the live Dean Martin show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Sands Hotel proudly presents the star of our show, direct from the bar, Dean Martin. The hell. Ah! And that whole, it just keeps repeating itself over and over again until the guy finally gives in, right? Tony, uh, we remember, I mean, we've talked about it before, but I mean, Tony was trying to buy a house and then wanted to get out of it, and this guy wouldn't let him out of the deal. And so Tony just anchored the boat outside the guy's house in the lake <laughs> and just put Dean Martin on repeat until finally it drove him mad enough. Okay fine i'll give you your money back please just stop the music that's what happens it drives you mad when you hear the same stuff over and over again so i mean it works it works and they did that on walking dead as well uh negan had uh my man daryl in a cell and continued to play uh easy street right i'm on easy street over and over again to drive him mad and, uh, you know, came back and it was part of the show. Speaking of Walking Dead, too, that comes back this coming week, by the way. The final eight, season, eight episodes of Walking Dead, the main, the mothership show, The Walking Dead. Uh, episode one of eight of the final eight. I guess it's actually one of 24, so it'd be episode 16 or 17, whatever it is. But the final eight episodes of Walking Dead uh, begin this coming week so something to look forward to man talking walking dead will be back jason buttrell and my son maximus we are looking forward to uh looking forward to talking walking dead again So apparently we have people hacking into airline intercom systems now, which, uh, you know, I would say it's kind of funny, but, you know, it's not really funny to the airlines. <laughs> so the first report was on this American Airlines Boeing 737-800 flight, where there were repeated hacking, moaning, and screaming noises over the PA. And the flight attendants even stood by their phones throughout the cabin to make sure no one was trying to use them. And then we get uh, the pilot called back to the flight on one uh, on one flight uh, and trying to get in touch with uh, the cop cockpit since their phone kept going off. And uh, Emerson Collins uh, on Twitter, actually Emerson, had posted a TikTok of the flight and uh, what was happening during the flight. And it was pretty incredible. I mean, Emerson is on the flight. And he just starts recording, and you start hearing the uh, the awesomeness. It's a two-minute video, TikTok video. Uh, Emerson Collins 1 is his TikTok, and at actually Emerson is his Twitter account. And uh, it's awesome. And he has it titled, Weirdest Flight Ever. somewhere between 
had an orgasm and then vomited. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we realize there is an extremely irritating sound coming over the public announcements. The flight deck is trying to troubleshoot, trying to turn it off. Trying to so figure it out. Be patient with us. We know this is a very odd anomaly and none of us are enjoying it. So we do appreciate your attention just for a few more moments until we figure out how to turn it off. Thank you. <laughs> Who is having a puke yank? A puke yank. Disappointing that it didn't happen again at touchdown. Okay, so now that would be annoying if you were flying. There's no doubt about it. But it was really, really funny, and it was great that Emerson captured it. So this is starting to happen now on different flights uh, around America, maybe even around the world. So if you're flying out there, yeah, because uh, we talked about uh, uh, it happening in July and then in August and then a few times already this month it's been going on. So they're ha- they've hacked into the system <laughs> and according to uh some of the people the voice on the video sounded very familiar to the same voice that was going on on the other flights so i don't know that there's any videos or audio recordings of the other flights they thought that the pilot left the mic open uh, they didn't know what the deal was their official response is is that it was a mechanical issue with the PA amplifier. Our maintenance team has thoroughly inspected the aircraft, and the PA system has determined the sounds were caused by a mechanical issue with the PA amplifier, which raises the volume of the PA system when the engines are running. Uh-huh. So uh, the systems are hardwired with no external access and no Wi-Fi component. Uh, The airline's maintenance team is reviewing the additional reports uh, about how many reports it's received and whether the reports are from different aircrafts. They didn't respond to that. So there's no way that it could be hacked. Right. I mean, it can't be good, but it sure can be funny. Did you see where the largest fresh produce market, or at least it's billed as the world's largest fresh produce market, in Paris caught fire and burned nearly to the ground. The footage was remarkable. The warehouse blaze ignited near a massive produce market that supplies the Paris region with much of its fresh fresh food. And it, you know, again, it bills itself as the largest of its kind in the world. Okay. Uh, so they had 100 officers, 30 fire engines. They battled the blaze in the area there in Paris. 
And so no one was injured in the blaze, which is pretty remarkable. The fire tore through 7,000 square meters. That's about 1.7 acres. Uh, it's roughly the size of a soccer field. Uh, the cause of the blaze is yet, not yet known, obviously being investigated. The wholesale market employs 12,000 people. It sells fruits and vegetables, seafood, meats, and dairy products from around the world. So then you start thinking, oh, okay, well, geez, that's just a, you know, a remarkable, sorry, did what's going on. Well, when you look at everything that's happened uh, about the food processing fires at processing plants since the beginning of 2021, it's an incredible list. Uh, the Made Right Steak Company in Pennsylvania, Food Processing Plant San Antonio, Cargill Nutrina in Louisiana, Van Druen Freeze-Dried Food Plant Illinois, Potato Plant Belfast, Maine, Potato Plant Washington State, Harper's Market Ontario, Canada, Poultry Processing Plant Ontario, uh, Moston Meat Processing Plant in Wisconsin, Bonanza Meat Company, El Paso, Texas, Shorer's Food, Oregon, Nestle's Hot Pocket Plant, Arkansas, Walmart Distribution Center, Indiana, Walmart Storefront, Edwood, New Mexico, Walmart Storefront, Clark County, Las Vegas, Rio Fresh Onion Facility, East Conway Beef and Pork, Deli Star, Tyson Poultry Plant in Kentucky, Kellogg's Plant in Tennessee, Tyson Feed Ingredients, Alabama, Meat Provider, Savannah, Georgia, JBS Meat Plant, Nebraska, Smithfield Food Plants, Monmouth, Illinois, Fertilizer Plant, North Carolina, Wisconsin River Meats, Louis Dreyfus, largest soy processing plant in the U.S., a potato plant processor in Oregon, fertilizer plant in Kansas, industrial food processing facility in Quebec, Canada, Maricopa Food Pantry in Arizona, Patak Meat Production Company in Georgia, River Valley Ingredients Plant in Alabama, Riverway Foods, Riverway, Essex, UK, Purdue Farms, Chesapeake, Virginia, General Mills Plant, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Taylor Farms, California Food Service, Salinas, California, Azure Stand Headquarters facility, the organic foods in Dover, Oregon. Those are just a bit, a few of these agriculture plant fires that are raising concerns over the surge of food prices. <laughs> that is incredible. And I'm sure that it's absolutely just coincidental. So I don't know why I even read all this. I just happened to see that this place burned in Paris, that bills itself as the largest of its kind in the world it's a you know it's there where everybody buys all their produce <laughs> and it just burned so i'm sure it's just coincidence all right i'll leave you with uh, the joke of the day today all right people been sending me jokes of the day into uh, chewing the fat at theblaze.com so if you've got a joke that you want to be joke of the day on chewing the fat uh send it in chewing the fat at theblaze.com so a man goes into a bar. The bartender says, what can I get you? The man says, just a water. Tried alcohol once, didn't like it. Bartender brings him a glass of water and offers him a cigarette. Man says, no thanks. I tried tobacco once, didn't like it. I wouldn't be in here, but I'm meeting my son. The bartender says, only child, I presume. <laughs> I didn't say it was going to be funny. <laughs> Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.